hands together for him. Hallelujah. Amen. What a wonderful service so far. Amen. And thank God for people who have come behind me. I want to welcome you again to God's presence. Thank you if you're worshiping with us for the first time. Thank you for coming. I hope you're blessed. You're inspired uh, by being part of the service. I also want to welcome people joining us online. I believe and we strongly believe that God is with you even as you listen by faith in Jesus' name. Let us pray. Father, we thank you because your word is quick, your word is powerful, your word is yea, your word is amen, your promises are sure, uh, they are sweeter to us than the honey in the honeycomb. We thank you because their power is everlasting, and we trust that that power will be released here today in Jesus' name. Holy Spirit, I ask you to speak through me and touch every heart. Thank you because you have answered our prayer. In Jesus' name we have prayed. Amen. Amen. My message title, I'll continue our message series that we started last week on the necessity of the renewed mind. The necessity of the renewal. Why the renewed mind is necessary for a believer. I'm going to start with the scripture, uh, Luke chapter 11, verse 28. Uh, I'm going to start. I would like us to read it together. Uh, it's a statement made by Jesus. Uh, virtually, I'm sure everyone has heard it before. It appears in the scripture one way, in a one shape, in different ways, many parts of the scripture. So it is not a strange scripture. But I'm going to start from there because I want to make a very, very important point before I go into my message. Can we read it together? One, two, go. He replied, Blessed, rather, are those who hear the word of God and obey. So this is Jesus talking. That those who hear the word of God and obey it are blessed. See, the word translated blessed there is the word makarios. is the Greek word that was translated to blessed. And that word simply means the state of one who has become a partaker of God. Uh, it also means to experience the fullness of God. So he's saying here, anyone who hear the word of God, obey it, will experience the fullness of God. In other words, the purpose of the word of God is to create an experience in our lives. Hallelujah. So when God gives his word, when God speaks his word, we are supposed to hear it. But ultimately, it must become an experience. Unless the word becomes an experience, it's not fulfilling his intent. So the intent of the word is to become an experience. And that experience is the fullness of God. Praise the name of Jesus. So, but he says we must hear it and obey it. Alright? Obey is not, I mean, when we talk about obedience, obedience is not always a matter of sin, a matter of do's and don'ts. But sometimes, obeying the word is simply to believe the word. Hallelujah. In fact, Jesus told us in John 6, 20, 26 or 29, Jesus told us, that your work is to believe the Father. Alright? He said, the work of God is to believe in the one whom he has sent. Sometimes God is simply asking you to believe. Sometimes he's simply asking you to give. Sometimes to forgive. 
Sometimes he's asking you to pray. Sometimes the obedience simply means keep quiet. Praise the name of Jesus. So when we obey, when we agree with it, accept it, obey it, it creates an experience in our lives. Now, there are two general reasons why people don't obey. At least this is me now coming up with this. Number one reason, generally in the scripture, is rebellion. All right? You know, the Bible talks about being rebellious when people just don't want to obey. But the re- rebellion is, is an act of violent resistance to authority. Right? You know, when people or when someone says, you know, when someone decides to be defiant, in fact, sometimes rebellion is described as insubordination. It is an act of constant resistance to a constituted authority. Now, I don't believe most believers fall into that category. In fact, the fact that you are a child of God tells me you are not a rebellious person. You are not setting up your life in direct confrontation to God. You did not set up to say, you know what, I will constantly resist what God says and be against him. That's not what most believers, most believers don't fall into that. Most of us fall into the second category, which is wrong translation. All right? Somehow we mistranslate what God is saying. Somehow we are not able to comprehend it. Or somehow we are not able to really believe it. It doesn't translate into action that we can take. Praise the name of Jesus. Now, our mind... We said this last week, is responsible for translating God. All right? It is our mind. Our mind is what is responsible for translating God into actionable experience. That's what your mind does. So, and that is why the state of our mind is very, very important. Now, when God speaks, God does not speak human language. God speaks God language. So God has a language. That's why, you know, translation is necessary. Uh, in 1 Corinthians 14, 2, some of us who are ready, the Bible talks about speaking in tongues. He said, if, when you speak in tongues, you do not speak to man. Right? You speak to God. In fact, he says, no one understands you. Right? But in the spirit, you are speaking mystery to God. So he said, when we speak in tongues, if you are blessed with a prayer language, right? That prayer language, you are speaking to God. God understands it. Even you, you don't understand. Now, sometimes the Bible says, God gives us the gift of tongue to speak to ourselves. Alright? In that instance, we need someone to, really, to translate it. So God gives people the gift of interpretation. Right? So sometimes... Someone will speak interpretation. So, that, so God has a language. But the scripture is also written in God's language. Not necessarily in tongue, but in God's language. Because the author of the Bible is the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. So God has his own language. He has a thought. He has a, his ways. He has his way, his way of thinking. In fact, Isaiah 55 tells us that, that you know, my thoughts are not your thoughts. You know, my ways are not your way. As the, high, as the heavens are higher than the, than the earth, 
so are my thoughts higher than yours. So God speaks in his own language. Now, we speak in human language. This, we also know that the Bible was written in, by the Holy Spirit. I'll give you two scriptures. One is 2 Timothy 3.16. 2 Timothy 3.16 says, All scripture is given by inspiration of God. The word inspiration is theonicious, which is breath. Breath of God. So the scripture is given by the inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. Peter also tells us how the scripture was written in the book of 2 Peter. Chapter 1, verse 20. He says, 20 and 21. Above all, you must realize that no prophecy of the scripture ever came from the prophet's own understanding. Or from human initiative. Right? So, the prophets, the written, the, what is written in the scripture did not come from the prophet's own understanding. They did not conceive it. In fact, sometimes they did not even understand those prophecies themselves. Say said, no, those prophets were moved by the Holy Spirit and they spoke from God. So we know that the scripture is not written in human language. The scripture is written in God's language. Now, in order for us to truly understand it, in order for us to truly know what God is saying, to be able to obey it, thereby fulfilling Luke eleven twenty eight. That says, when you hear and you obey, you are blessed. In order for that to happen, some form of translation has to take place. Praise the name of Jesus. And the part of us that is responsible for that translation is our mind. Now, that is why the state of our mind is very, very important. Now, I'm going to go back to Romans 8. Romans 8, chapter uh, 5. Uh, we're gonna, I'm going to read it again. We read it last week, but I'm going to just try and focus your mind on that. He said, those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on what the flesh desires. So, those who only follow the flesh, the flesh simply means our external environment, external feeling. It can be your feeling, it can be your thought, it can be what is going on around you that is not from God. Alright? Those who live according to the flesh, the reason why they do so is because their mindset is set on things of the flesh. Alright? So therefore, they are not able to live according, according to God because the mind translates things to them according to the flesh. The mind tells them things according to the flesh. So they live their life according to the flesh. Now, those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. The mind governed by the flesh is death, but the mind governed by the Spirit is life and peace. Verse 7 says, the mind governed by the flesh is hostile to God. That's how you know the mind that is governed by the flesh. Because this mind is trained in the way of the flesh, this mind only sees things in the way of the flesh, it ends up being hostile to God, not intentionally. 
Praise the name of Jesus. Now because the person who owns the mind decides I am against God. Not because the person says I don't want God. I don't like God. I am setting myself purposely to just undercut him, undermine him, oppose him. No. But because the mind is trained to only see, to only see things according to the flesh, the person will not be able, you know, will end up being hostile to God. Now, he does not submit to God. That's how you know a mind that is governed by the flesh, nor can it do so. So it's not a question of the mind, not, I mean, the person not wanting to do it. It is a question of the mind not able to. I hope you understand what I'm talking about. There's a big difference between somebody not wanting to do something and not able to do it, and, and the person not able to. So the mind that is governed by the flesh will not be able to, even if that mind tries, even if that mind desires it, it is not able to because it is trained according to the flesh. Praise the name of Jesus. I'm going to go back to my picture, which I showed last week, if you can have it on the screen, so that for those of us who are not, who are not here last week, or just to refresh it. As man, we have our nature... We are divided into three. Our spiritual nature. As a person, you have a spirit. In fact, that is who you are. You have a spirit. That part of you that comes from God is your spirit. You remember in Genesis, God created all of us from the dust, right? Man was made from the clay, was laying on the ground. And the Bible says God breathed his breath into man and man became a living soul. And that's why you see the physical body comes from the dust. And when the dust, that's why when the person dies, when we die, the body goes to the dust, right? The spirit returns, you know, to God, where he came from. Now, but the spirit continues to live on. So you have a man that is made of the spirit, having a body, having a soul. Now, the soul is where our mind is, all right? It's our place of reasoning. It is our place of self-awareness it is where our personality is it is where our reasoning is our emotion and our will resides that mind when you become saved the mind does not become saved it's important for you to know that that's why people can be born again and still do stupid things sometimes and still even be hostile to god without the intent now anyone that is born again has that ability to please God. In fact, one of the ways you will know you are born again is there is that inner desire to please God. Right? You always want to please God. You just want to please Him. There's something inside of you that wants to please God, that wants to really be in agreement with God. Right? So the spirit of a person that is saved is being regenerated. Right? Is being given life is no longer there the spirit is no longer separated from god the spirit is in connection to god now the body ultimately is the person that carries out is that's who you are it's the person that moves your hand moves your you see that's all your external your body is the one that lives on the life here but the body is being controlled by your mind right the mind is reasoning 
Is the mind that tells the body what to do. Is the mind that tells the body what to feel. Right? You know? Is the mind that makes determination. When people, in fact, studies have shown that the state of our mind can determine how energetic we are. Okay, there's a story of a woman that was able to lift up a car because that car was, you know, the tire of the car was on top of the child's leg. All right, roll on the top of the tire. And she determined to really rescue, right? What she could not do ordinarily, she was able to lift up the car, you know, so that the child can just get off. Now, what happened is the wheel, right? Somehow in our, in our soul, the will determined this has to be done now. So our body is informed by our mind. And that's why the state of our mind is very, very important. Now, I'm going to, I'm going to read Romans chapter 8 verse 5 in, the new, uh, in another version. New English translation. That's what it's called. It says, those who live according to the flesh have their outlook shaped by the things of the flesh. So it is important what is shaping your outlook. It is very, very important. That is what will determine how successful you are as a Christian. You cannot be successful as a believer without renewing of the mind. Now, today I'm going to talk about three factors that inform our mindset. You see, those who live according to the Spirit, their mind is set on the things of the Spirit. And those whose mind is governed by the Spirit, they will experience life and peace. Abundant life and peaceful life. They will experience what is called all-round prosperity. There are three things. Number one is our natural disposition. Our natural disposition. You see, all of us, we have what is called natural disposition. Some of us who have done management, we know uh, McGregor's theory Y and X, right? Some of us, or maybe you've come across it. Theory Y is it's a management theory. Theory Y just determined that people are, people are lazy, right? That's the management that comes from the standpoint of people don't want to work. People are lazy. People are not naturally motivated. Therefore, you must make them, right? The manager already believes everyone here is lazy. Everyone is here to cheat. Everyone is here to get away with something. So he's informed by that. That's a mindset. And theory, theory X is the opposite. Believes that people are motivated to work. People are here. They are good-hearted. So someone that approaches, uh, that has that mindset of theory Y, would definitely be a free manager, right? gives people benefit of the doubt unless they abuse it. Someone that has the opposite will just be very cruel, very watching over you, running around, just looking at what you are asking you, what you are on the phone doing, and all those things. That's mindset. And all of us, we have a mindset. We have a natural disposition that we come with. And it's important to determine that unless you determine that, you are going to be very, very, very limited. You know, the problem with our natural disposition is they tend to put God in a box. You know, some of us have a cynical disposition to life. All right? You're just cynical. Somebody's giving a testimony. Your natural reaction is just to not believe them. 
or to just think, oh, they are talking because they want to be seen. You just think they have some ulterior motive. You think everyone, if you go into a church, somebody is preaching, you already believe that they are doing it for an ulterior motive. Some of us have that. We didn't learn it from somewhere, but that's our natural disposition. You know that. Some people have a very more optimistic disposition. They believe everyone. They just believe everybody is great. You know, they are very easy to just, you know, believe things. Some of us just have that naturally. Some of us have what is called a joyful disposition. You know that. You've met people that they are just joyful, playful. You know, now the problem is, let's say you have a joyful disposition. You're going to be limited in some ways. You know, when the Bible wants you to be still, or the Bible, you know, I think Ecclesiastes says it is better to go into a place of money, you know, than a place of feasting, right? You're going to hate a place of money, you know, because it doesn't fit into your natural disposition, right? You just want a place where everybody is happy. You, you know, when a preacher is preaching about repentance, you're likely going to pack your bag and leave because you're just saying this guy is just a very, very... He's a downer. You're just going to, the preacher is a downer. I mean, just make me feel sad. And I don't like anyone to make me feel sad and walk away. People, some people have a very structured disposition, right? Everything is structured. Everything must follow this. You know, when things are not structured, you can't function. You're likely going to walk away. You're likely not going to function. You're not, you're not likely not going to believe it. If someone is preaching, for example, they are not very structured in their preaching, you're likely to just believe that they are not serious. Or, they are just, or the message is not from God. Because our natural disposition makes us to, to see things that way. Some people have a very serious disposition to life. Right? Serious, warlike disposition, right? Even when they are leading prayer points, it's, just, it's like they are fighting somebody. Even if the prayer point is about love. Can you pray about love? You're going to, some of you don't love. Some of you don't. I want to tell you, God does not love you if you don't love. Even something that is supposed to be fun, they just turn it to some people because that is their natural disposition. Now, the reason why I said that is we must beware of your natural disposition. Is our natural strength. The problem is most of us always believe our natural disposition is the best disposition. Isn't that true? In fact, people who are structured, you're likely going to despise people who are not very structured. People who are not very structured, everything good, you know, they, they would likely going to dislike very structured people. You know, because they are just annoying. They are not flexible. Right? They're not flexible. They can't change. They're going to say, this is what we plan to do today. You can't change it. You're likely going to think they're just too much. So, all of us, we really, the way we are wired, our natural disposition, we tend to fit everything into it. It causes us to fit God in a box. The problem is God, he cannot be boxed. Hallelujah. Now, you have to beware of your natural strength. That's your natural disposition. In fact, most of your mistakes in life will come out of that. Most of your mistakes. I'll give you an example. In the scripture, I believe you have Peter. Peter is someone that has a natural disposition to be 
very not structured, very, very jumpy. He speaks before he thinks, right? And that's him. That's him. I mean, there was, that is how he lived his life almost all through. That natural disposition. So you discover that it was very easy for him to believe. He was not someone that questions things that much, right? He was someone that, you know, Jesus, you know, some, he doesn't question. He believes easily. He jumps easily. He steps out easily. He does things easily. But also he was, some of his mistakes in life that almost cost him came out of that, right? It worked for him because he was able to walk on water because he had that natural disposition. Jesus, if you are the one, bid me come. So what happened if he wasn't Jesus and he still said, come? <laughs> I mean, that question baffles me. He said, Jesus, if you are the one, ask me to come. So if he wasn't Jesus, if the guy was trying to drown him, the guy is still going to say, come. Right? <laughs> he would have gone and he would have been in trouble. Only Peter could do such a thing. Right? The others are saying, uh, doesn't sound like you, Jesus. If you are the one, can you just have the water open and let me see? Then I can believe you are Jesus. But he said, the same Peter was the one that said, I'm not going to deny you. And Jesus said, you're going to deny me. The same Peter, in fact, Jesus called him Satan at some point, right? He, he just spoke too soon. Without even listening, Jesus was trying to tell them something serious. And Peter doesn't like something serious. You know. Jesus started saying, look, guys, I want you to tell you, today I'm going to be arrested. I'm going to be... He said, no, 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 that's never going to happen to you. I bind you, I bind you. He said, no, 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 no. And so that was Peter's natural disease. So some of his costliest mistakes in life, you know, thankfully Jesus was, he was picked, right? Jesus had his eye on him. He was able to save him. But Jesus said, I have prayed for you, you know, because I know... The devil wants to use your, well, that natural strength that made you usable, right? The devil wants to use it against you. In fact, he wants to destroy you completely. That's what he told him. He wants to sweep you, wants to destroy you, but I have prayed for you. You know, because that thing, that, that our natural, we are proud of it. It, is, it could cost us. Praise the name of Jesus. Another person in the Bible is Jacob. Jacob had their natural wit. You see, Jacob is somebody that was witty, just believed he could. And a lot of people like that, they believe they can win every argument. They believe they can, you know, they'll tell you, oh, no, I know, how to get, I know how to get people to do what I want them to do. Jacob was like that. Until it cost him so badly. So you must beware of that. You know, what I was thinking about this, the Lord gave me a scripture Proverbs chapter 3 verse 5. The very, very common scripture, we all know it. Proverbs chapter 3 verse 5 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. You know, our understanding is our natural disposition, right? The way we understand things. The way we see things. You know, there is there's a benefit to that. God gave us, I mean, that natural disposition is ours. But he's warning us, don't lean on it, right? Because you can, it will cause you to miss God. Sometimes God will work against your natural disposition. He will send someone that doesn't fit that, right? You know, to say something, to use you. I mean, to, to, to give you a message or to bless you. And you are likely going to reject it. 
simply because it does not fit your natural disposition. And that's very, very important. So we must beware of that. You know, it's a, it's a factor that causes us to limit God. We must be very careful about that. So make sure you, 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 you examine. What is my natural disposition to life? How do I, is, what is my mindset? You know, what is my natural disposition? And watch for it. Because the enemy is trying to go, use that. Is one going to use that. And God, sometimes we walk against that. To tra- test whether you can trust him or not. So you don't only trust God when he walks with you. Some of us, you can only listen to some kind of preacher. Because they fit your natural disposition. Right? Some of us can listen to somebody that talks slow. Somebody that, you know, they are not just anointed in your mind. Right? If the person is not shaking and just, you know, sweating, they are giving him handkerchief like five times. You know? And some of us, if someone is shaking and they say you think they are in the flesh, automatically assume they are in the flesh. Because they don't fit you. You only listen to people who, you know, will just talk. You know, straight, you know we just, they stay on one place. And they give you point by point. You know, you just always have to beware of your natural disposition. Because most of your costly mistakes in life will come out of that. Hallelujah. Number two is our experiences. Our experiences. Our experiences in life, positive or negative, have a way of becoming our, our mindset. Or we become captive of our experiences. You have to be very, very careful. Alright? Some of us, maybe you've run into someone from one country. That's why we have test stereotype, right? You, you run into somebody from Jamaica, Nigeria, or, you know, Mexico. And, uh, you know, they just do something wrong to you. You know, you're living, you know, you're living in an apartment, they are next, and they are very loud. And you just see, every time you see somebody from that country, you just run away from them. You don't want to deal with them. So the last person I dealt with, somebody from there, they cheated me. You know, you know what you have become? You have become a captive of your experience. Oftentimes, our experiences can hold us captive and cause us to miss God. Because we, you know, we allow especially painful experiences, negative experiences. Some of us have determined you're not going to forgive anyone. You know, the last person you try to forgive you know, took advantage of you. Some of us have already determined you're not going to do this. You know, some of us, maybe you've been jilted by a man or a woman. You say, you know, I'm never going to allow somebody to do this to me. Uh, some of us, maybe somebody betray you. You say, I'm never going to open up to anyone in, in life again. Some of us, yeah, you have done that. You know what you have done? You have become a captive of your experience. You have allowed your negative experience to hold you captive. Because God will not be bound by your experience. Yeah? Somebody jitter. God is God going to use somebody to marry you. I mean, or to do something. So God is still going to... I mean, God is just still going to use someone to bless you. To do something for you. 
you know, if someone that is of uh, some country or something has done something, God might use somebody from that same place to bless you sometimes. But you are likely going to reject it because you, are al- you have allowed, you know, yourself to become captive. Many of us, you are dealing with your spouse based on some negative experience you've had from them. Alright? So you are not able to shut down. Or close up. Or do whatever. You are not willing to really give them benefit of the doubt. Or you are not willing to love them again. Because you know, they have disappointed me. I would never trust him again. Or I would never trust her again. Don't become a captive of your experience. Praise the name of Jesus. The third thing, which is the last I will talk about, is your exposure. What you expose yourself to. That is the kind of information you allow into your mind. We determine the state of your mind. The kind of information. Unfortunately, this is still affected somehow by our natural disposition. Because most of us, we get information that we want to get. That agrees with us. Right? Most of us, we still go get information. You talk to only people that you already know what kind of advice they are going to give you. Don't we, don't we do that? So you call this person, you're finding someone to just agree with you. You know, who am I going to call that's just going to feel me, make me feel better about what I want to do? And say, you know, does God say we shouldn't really do this? Say, I don't really think, ah, that's what I'm looking for. Where, where have you been? Every other person has just been telling me so, some negative stuff. You know, just negative, negative, negative. I don't like negative people. And that's, you know, so unfortunately, many of us, we do that. Unless you really, really, and that's why that's the root of it. Unless you really, really understand, this is my, this is my natural disposition. I must make sure I counterbalance it. Right? So the kind of information you expose yourself to is very important. Especially if you are going to walk in line with God. Now, you must expose yourself to God's language. Hallelujah. So God's language. Now, so if your mind is going to be retrained, right? Your mind is responsible to translate God to your experiences. God speaks in God's language. Right? God is not going to change his language. God is going to speak in God. He's already spoken. The word of God, the scripture is written in God's language. Now, I must train my mind. And the mind is trainable. The mind can be molded. But sometimes it needs to be jolted. Sometimes it needs to be chipped. You see, mindset is set. You know, have you seen a concrete that is set? Once a concrete is set, you know, once you pour a concrete, the first few minutes, you can do whatever you want with it. You can just take it back. Right? You take it back, you can throw it away, you can easily, but just wait eight hours, two, three days, seven days. 
In engineering, 28 days, the, the concrete achieves the, great, the, the greatest strength, right? What does it take to now change that? Wow. You need a chisel, you need a hammer, right? You just break it. That's what many of us need to do. You see, your mind is set already. Maybe when you were a few months old, it wasn't set. When you were a few years old, it wasn't set. But because it's already set, you must make sure you really break it. And praise God, the Bible says the word of God is like a hammer. All right? The word of God is like a hammer and it breaks every rock. Right? And that's why exposing yourself genuinely to the word of God is very important. Where it is preached with potency, with power, with the power of the Holy Spirit, and exposing yourself to the scripture and asking him and allowing the Holy Spirit to break every mindset, destroy every mindset, so you are really able to live a life of obedience. Because what is preventing us from really, really obeying God is our mindset. When God says, submit, you say, I don't need submission. I know how to get something to do. I know how to do it myself. Your mind tells you, I don't need to love my wife as Christ loves the church. Christ doesn't really know my wife if he knows my wife. (laughs) If we know that some women are not just unlovable. When God says, Submit yourself to your own husband. No, I mean, he must not know this guy. <laughs> so those things are our mind. When God says you need purity, you say, no, I don't need it. I know how to figure things out. When God says you need to give, you say, no, I don't want to do that. The mind, in fact, misinterprets that. Many people have all kinds of ideas about different, you know, things God has said you will be amazed. But when you allow the word of God to break those mindsets, you're going to discover that you can get your mind to really, really submit to God and you can get your mind to a place where it can now begin to interpret God correctly. So when your mind hears what God says, your mind understands what God says and can give instruction to your body to really obey God. The reason why we don't obey is not necessarily because we don't like God. We are opposed to God. You are here because you have some form of honor and respect for God. You don't intend to live your life in rebellious, opposing God. But many of us, our life is sending that message simply because our mind is not set on the things of the Spirit. Our mind is set on things of the flesh and we end up living our life in a, way that, that, in a way that opposes God. God is setting us free from that this morning. In the precious name of Jesus. Can we rise up and pray? I want you to declare God is setting me free this morning. I am free from every negative mindset. I am free to obey God. I am free to submit to God. In the mighty name of Jesus, my mind belongs to me. In the mighty name of Jesus, I refuse to oppose God in my mind. I submit my mind to God. 
I submit my mind to righteousness. I declare my mind is submitted. My mind can obey. My mind is yielded. In the mighty name of Jesus, I declare my mind is in agreement with God. My mind can translate God accurately. In the mighty name of Jesus, my mind gets signals from God and agrees with it. In the mighty name of Jesus, my mind agrees with God. My mind is in sync with God. I refuse to be conformed to the pattern of this world, to the pattern of the flesh. But I choose to be transformed by the renewing of my mind. Therefore, I am able to test, I am able to approve, and I am able to agree with the will of God for my life, with His good will, His pleasing will, His perfect will, in the mighty name of Jesus. Lift up your hands and just give Him thanks. Just give Him thanks. Just say, thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you for your presence. Thank you for your power in this place. Thank you for destroying every plan of the enemy to set us against God our Father. Lord, we come against every deception of the enemy. Father, I come against every deception of the enemy that causes your people to stand against you or your people to stand with your enemy. In the mighty name of Jesus, I break that power of deception right now. In the mighty name of Jesus, when the Lord says it, we will agree with it. He says it and we say yes. The Bible says the promises of God are in Him, yes and amen. We choose to agree with God in the mighty name of Jesus. Lord, we thank you and we give you praise. Blessed be your name. In Jesus' name we have prayed. Let's put our hands together and give Him praise. Let's keep standing.